Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Joel Vardy from the series Doubt, Deconstruction, and Devotion. This series addresses the hurt and pain that some people have experienced in and because of the church and how we can still love and follow Jesus in a post-Christian world. Pastor Joel digs into the ideas of deconstruction and doubt in the context of Christianity and faith and explores how these matters may actually have a healthy role to play in our relationship with God. We hope you enjoy today's message. And we are continuing the series that we've been in called Heaven on Earth. And I don't know, um, sometimes, you know, I've been a Christian a long time, or follower of Jesus, whatever you want to call it. I've been around this whole church thing a long time. And sometimes, you know, you mention this to someone. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say this, but have you ever heard someone say, uh, I tried that whole Christian thing. It didn't work for me. You ever heard someone say that? Um, come on, you can talk this morning. Uh, and, uh, or, or maybe, um, you've heard people, uh, say stuff like, you know, I, I, I'm not experiencing what they preach about at church or um, I, I'm just not, uh, I read in the Bible about how things are supposed to go, but that's not the way I've been experiencing it. Have you ever heard someone talk like that? You know, salvation is the beginning of a beautiful journey. And at salvation, we receive forgiveness or, or what I mean by salvation is like kind of that moment where it says in the Bible, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, um, when you, when you kind of get to that moment where you're like, okay, I do believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is, is Lord. At that moment, you receive all the forgiveness you could ever receive for everything you have done and everything you will do. But it's the beginning of a journey in your walk with God that has so much more to it. And see, Jesus, he, in his scriptures, when, when you read what Jesus said, he, often promised us the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is experiencing heaven on earth. It's that you don't just experience heaven in your afterlife. That, you know, we don't have to just go through this horrible life on earth where all this bad stuff happens and everybody gets COVID and whatever. No, that you can actually experience heaven on earth. But, If Jesus promises us this, why don't we see these things come to pass in different people's lives and even our own at times? Today, we're going to dive into what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 18. I would just encourage you right now, if you have uh, your phone, you have version on your phone, you can look it up right now, Matthew chapter 18. We're going to go through 21 to 35. Or if you got a paper Bible here, uh, just flip to, I'm going to read from the... uh, ESV and uh, just Matthew chapter 18, 21 to 35. Go ahead, flip there now. I'll give you a second. We're going to read a large portion of scripture today. And I think it will be helpful um, for you if you read along with me, because it'll help seal what Jesus was saying and, and what God's trying to speak to us through this message today. If you don't have you version on your phone, or if you don't have a paper Bible here today, these big Bibles on the side screen, they're going to put it up on those. You can read off those as we read together. Okay. It looks like some of us are there. Let's read Matthew chapter 18, 21 to 35 in the ESV. Then Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. 
Therefore, and this is what we're talking about. He says it here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell, fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And when they reported to their master all that had taken place, and then their master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We had an election this week. We decided to talk about forgiveness the week after election. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Okay, loosen up with me today. Jesus, uh, Jesus lays out for us um, what heaven on earth is like. What heaven on earth is like is that you are forgiven. And in this text, Peter, he, um, you see that at the times, the, uh, the tradition was that you would forgive someone three times. Like that, that was kind of the rule at the time is, is, hey, if somebody messes with you, you just forgive them three times. So Peter, you know, he's so smart. He's like, I know I'm going to impress Jesus and I'm going to be generous. And I'm going to say that we're, we don't forgive people three times. We forgive people seven times. It, double it plus one. Like, I, I, and Jesus responds uh, with this parable for a specific reason. He says that the, 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 the servant owed him 10,000 talents. You see, the reason Jesus said 10,000 talents was 10 was the largest uh, Roman numeral and, and 10 was the largest Roman numeral and the largest amount of Greek currency was a talent. So 10,000 talents is a massive amount of money at the time. This was no accident. Jesus was trying his best to communicate the amount that you and I have been forgiven. Even one talent at the time would have been so impressive to them. Like one, one talent was like, it was like a small fortune. Like it was beyond what anyone could imagine. And, and, and Jesus says, you gotta, this guy was forgiven 10,000 talents. Like he's trying to blow their minds here. And then he has this comparison with the other servant that what the other servant owed that servant was one six hundredth of the first amount. Are you hearing me this morning? That he's saying like the amount that people offend you is so minuscule to the amount that I have forgiven you. No offense against us can compare 
to the amount that we've been forgiven. And keeping this in mind is how we stay out of pride. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, blessed are the humble, they will inherit the earth. And what I've noticed is the longer that we are Christian, the longer that we're followers of Jesus, whatever you want to call it, the longer we are in relationship with Jesus, the harder it can be to remember how much we've been forgiven. We must continue to work at humility. For some, this comes easily, but for most, it doesn't. See, what I find happen, happens is the longer we're a Christian, we sort of have this cleaner sin. Right? You, you hear about um, people who first come into a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we hear stories and people talk about, man, my life was a mess before I came in a relationship with Jesus. There was like drugs. I abused alcohol. It was cursing like crazy. There's these obvious sort of dirty things in our minds. But as we become a Christian, what happens is the longer we're in this thing, we sort of have these more socially acceptable sins like gossip, greed, envy, pride, all sorts of things operating in our life. They're just a little bit more socially acceptable than what the new Christian sins are. And we're so aware of all the messed up stuff that happens in our life when we first come into a relationship with Jesus. And that keeps us so humble and grateful. Do you know somebody like this? Please, I I love when, when somebody, when you first meet someone who just comes into a relationship with Jesus, they're so like happy. They're so like, oh God, like they're into worship every single time. And, And the longer we're in a relationship with Christ, sometimes we forget how much we've been forgiven. We forget how much debt has been paid for us. You know, I I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. Actually, I couldn't find the exact quote. I know how I've read it, and I I tried my best to get it exactly how he had it. But um, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I would rather be the prostitute in the back row knowing I need my sins forgiven rather than the prig in the fourth row judging her. That's good. I love that Jesus, he ties this parable in with the Lord's prayer. He says, forgive us our debts in the Lord's prayer. And in this parable, he talks about the debt that we owe because we need a daily reminder that keeps us humble. A daily reminder that says, God, I am a sinner. And if you constantly remember how much you've been forgiven, it will be easier to be forgiving. There's this old hymn. I love that we sang a, a, an older hymn today. Um, Amazing Grace. That's beautiful. But there's this old hymn. I don't think we ever sang it in our church, but I heard it before. I actually heard it randomly on YouTube uh, come up. And it was this beautiful old hymn. And it, it kind of, let me see if I can do it a little bit justice this morning. It was like, uh, it was called uh, Christ Receiveth Sinful Men. Does anybody know that one? Maybe not the most popular hymn in the world, but it was kind of the more more upbeat one. And uh, it would go, sinners Jesus will receive, sound of word of grace to all, who the heavenly pathway lead, all who linger, all who fall, sing it o'er and o'er again, Christ receive a sinful man, make the message clear and plain. Christ receive a sinful man. <laughs> and they were just, thank you for, for having some fun this morning. But they would just sing that over and over, that Christ receive sinful men. 
vaccinated or unvaccinated. Christ receives us all. And, uh, and, and, and so that's this beautiful message. And it's a beautiful message that we have to remind ourselves. The simple message of the good gospel that we must get out there is that God receives us as we are. But in our humanity, we push God away when we have unforgiveness operating in our hearts. See, unforgiveness is a prison that you lock yourself into. We, we kind of build this prison out of our offense and our hurt and what people did with us. And, and then it's in our faces all the time. So you don't live in the freedom that Christ has for you. I kind of, as we're preparing this morning, kind of had this picture of, you ever seen the movie Peter Pan? Nobody seen Peter Pan? Okay, all right, you've seen Peter Pan. You ever seen the movie Peter Pan? And Captain Hook, he captures Tinkerbell in this little lantern. And at one point in the movie, he's looking through this lantern and, he, and he's looking at Tinkerbell. And what I see as a, what happens with unforgiveness is that we will put a, a situation or a person into this lantern and everything that we're trying to look through in life, all we can see through is this hurt and this pain and this fence of whatever happened. We, we're looking at everything in life through this lantern of unforgiveness. And, and, and the thing is, is that the master has already paid for it, but we put ourselves in our own prison. And we get hyper-focused on the person that we don't forgive. And it holds us back from the free life that God has for us. And that is not heaven on earth. That's hell on earth. It's so important to notice that the servant was not thrown into jail because of his own debt. He was thrown into jail because he wouldn't forgive someone else's. And what do prisons do? They isolate us from freedom. So you'll be isolated from fellowship with God, but also you'll isolate yourself from fellowship with people locked into your offense because all you can see is this situation. All you can see is this person, how they hurt you, how they got away with it. Nelson Mandela said this, forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. And that's why it's such a powerful weapon. We do this because I think oftentimes we want to control I don't know about you, but I can be a control freak sometimes. And so often we want to control. And so uh, when somebody hurts or offends us, we want to control that person. That's why we put them in that little lantern, that little prison. And what you, th you think you're controlling that person, but what ha actually happens is that person is controlling you. And it really puts us in a prison. And we have this person trapped in our hearts and that keeps us weighed down and that is not freedom. Freeding, freedom is letting someone out of the prison of our hearts, even if that prisoner is you. As many people, we, uh, we know we should forgive others. We've heard this concept. We heard it in Sunday school or maybe our parents taught it uh, to us or maybe we've heard a bunch of messages about forgiveness before and we came in here this morning and go, forgiveness again? Come on, give me something out of Revelation. I want to hear some end times crazy stuff this morning. Um, you think of forgiveness again. But many of us know we're supposed to forgive other people, yet we struggle to forgive ourselves. This is a journey that I, I, I've, I've been on, and, and I, I went through tough times with this. You know, um, I, I didn't always, you know, I, I, I struggled for a few years. 
just on my own and, and, and kind of just not, not living the, the, all that God had for my life, the best that God, life that God had for me. And I remember one specific day where I, I would just describe it as almost like horrific what happened during that day. And it, I just felt so terrible at my actions at the end of the day. It just felt the, just the weight of so much of it. I just felt like, God, how did I turn into this person that would do this? And I remember just trying to break free of that thought process. And I went home and I had a shower. I just remember how dark I felt in that shower. And, and just, I just felt awful, so awful in that shower. And after that moment, I struggled so much to forgive myself after that day. I actually spent almost the next 10 years, almost every single shower I had, I would remember that shower. And I remember that pain. I remember that day. I remember just that shame would come all over me. And I struggled for almost 10 years going through that process almost every day of struggling to forgive myself. But thank God that I had an experience in 2018 that broke off that shame, that broke off that pain, that I was allowed to, I was able to forgive myself and remove myself from that prison that I was looking at everything through. See, forgiveness is a form of generosity and God is so generous with us. And as much as God wants to be with us, God doesn't treat an unforgiving spirit lightly. Jesus says in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers because the servant, because this servant won't forgive, his life experience is just as though he'd never been forgiven himself. And that's often what we get stuck in because we won't forgive. We don't live in this heaven on earth life that Jesus talks about. We live imprisoned and tormented, not because of our sin, but because of our choice to not forgive. In fact, the NIV uh, version says that the servant was tortured. Tortured, not because of the servant's sin, but because of his unforgiveness. God doesn't treat an unforgiving spirit lightly. He's not like, oh, you don't want to forgive? It's all good, guys. Okay, he's not like the cool mom, all right? Like, you know, remember Mean Girls, that movie, like the cool mom? Um, Matthew chapter six. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your father in heaven will not forgive your sins. I used to read this as a kid and think, oh my gosh, I got to make sure that I forgive everyone or I'm going straight to hell. Um, and, and, uh, and as I read it and I started to read commentaries on it and, and learn a little bit more about the context of this verse, Jesus isn't talking about salvation here. He's talking about personal fellowship with God. So he's not saying you won't be saved. And it's so easy to be saved. Like it's, I think the perfect clear picture of it is when Jesus is on the cross and, and, and the, the, the guy beside him is like, hey, remember me when you're in your kingdom. And he's like, boom, you'll be in my kingdom. That there, there wasn't a bunch of process. It was just in that moment, he believed in his heart and he confessed it with his mouth. And that's why salvation is so powerful and can happen so simply like this. But what happens is we allow this unforgiveness in our heart and then we're isolated from fellowship with God. And in prison, you are isolated and alone. And, and, and some people even learn this at home. That sometimes in our family of origin, um, how we're taught to treat each other is um, if there's unforgiveness, if there's pain, if there's hurt, then we don't talk to that person for a season. 
And what happens is we're, we're training children and we're training the people around us that if you uh, have unforgiveness, just isolate that person. And, and, and it actually just ends up harming people and there's deep rooted things that happen with them. And you're trying to isolate people just like you've isolated yourself. So let's forgive, not just because the Bible tells us to, but because we fear God and we want intimacy with him. You see, God delights in fellowship with his children. God loves to be in fellowship with his children. God wants you to be free so you'd have intimacy with him. You see, John 3.16, it doesn't say um, that God just felt so obligated to the world that he sent his son. It doesn't say, um, you know, God just got sick of Jesus. He built this big skate park in heaven and he was just being so wild up there and annoying that God just needed some peace and quiet. So he sent his son to the world. It says God so loved the world. God so loved the world and being close to God will produce heaven on earth for us. I, I see this in Jesus in Mark chapter three it says Jesus went up on the mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. He wanted those people to be with him. And they came to him and he appointed the 12. And then watch this again, that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. The relational nature of Jesus reflects God's love for us. Jesus didn't just want the disciples so he could use them to go and preach his message. He also called them because he liked being around them. He also called them so he could be with them. They weren't just being used to spread the gospel, even though as disciples, we should spread the gospel and thank God that these disciples did. But Jesus also called them because of the relational nature of Jesus. He wanted to be with them. It's kind of like uh, that old saying, I've heard people say this before, that it's not what you do, it's who you do it with. That your job could be so nasty and so terrible and, and so frustrating at times. But if you're with people you love, man, it, it can be fun. Trust me, that's what happens at my job. Um, <laughs> kidding, guys. It's not what you do. It's who you do it with. And Jesus loves being with us. And there is nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing like the presence of God. And we can get things into our heart. We can get people into our heart that push us away from that. And all of a sudden we'll be in a dry season and we'll be going, God, where are you? And God will be, what, like what the Bible says, standing at the door and knocking. We have to let him in. Heaven on earth will be achieved through intimacy with God. This is part of the reason that forgiveness is so important. But in forgiveness, forgiving doesn't mean we allow people the opportunity to continue to hurt us. Somehow in, um, I don't know, somehow in Christian circles, sometimes I've heard this sort of idea, um, this sort of foolish forgiveness that 70 times seven means you allow the person to continue to hurt you. That 70 times seven means just keep letting them uh, do, uh, do what they've been doing. But in our Bible college that our staff takes in, our, our Bible college content that we take in together, they have this saying, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. 
70 times 7 doesn't mean you allow yourself to be set up for the opportunity to be abused and being taken advantage of. And if someone has spiritually abused you in this way, that it made you think that you should continue to be taken advantage of and being hurt and, and being messed with, I am so sorry because that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Proverbs 25, 19, trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. What do we do with bad teeth? We pull them out. We deal with them. And so 70 times seven doesn't mean that everybody can just do whatever they want to us because we're a Christian. Just because we forgive everyone doesn't mean we have to trust everyone. Forgiveness doesn't mean allowing the opportunity to offend or hurt us again. Notice that he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, okay, now that guy, after you forgive him, go and lend him more money. If he needs anything, just keep going and lending. The master simply says, forgive in the proportion to the way that you've been forgiven. So we keep forgiving if it keeps happening, but we also can have boundaries. And within those boundaries, we got to forgive to live in the freedom that God has for us. There will be times where you will have to walk away from people that continue to hurt and abuse you. Love doesn't mean someone has total access to you all the time. Love is seeking the highest good for another person. And that might mean that that person needs to be disconnected from you because they are not loving you. And and they're gonna need to learn that they can't just treat people that way anymore. But forgiveness, it doesn't affirm their behavior. Forgiveness doesn't mean they're allowed to do it again. Forgiveness is simply giving up your right to get even. And I think that sometimes we struggle to forgive because we don't feel safe to forgive. But God is a safe God. Part of the reason we don't forgive, we don't feel safe. But God is the safety that you are looking for. You can trust what he says and you are safe to forgive. Forgiveness is a process that sometimes takes a long time. But you can't wait till you feel like it. You make the choice to forgive and then forgive and then forgive again. And it must come, like Jesus says in this, from the heart. When a person sins against us, it must come from the heart. No, the, the, the willingness to forgive must come from the heart. It says in the, the last line that you, you got to forgive the brother from your heart. It's not something you just say to just get it over with, to just move on from that awkward moment. It's okay to take months, even years to forgive someone sometimes, as long as this journey is coming from the heart. And forgiveness is a journey that will bless us in the end. And the way I forgive Others must be in direct proportion to the way I've been forgiven, not the way others forgive me. I'll say it again. The way I forgive others must be in direct proportion to the way I've forgiven, not I've been forgiven, not the way others forgive me. And, and that's the thing sometimes is we say, well, they, they did this and they did that and they haven't forgiven me. But it, it's not about what they're doing. It's about how God has treated us that we release that person from that, not from an expectation of how they're supposed to act. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. The first servant had been forgiven all and in turn, he should have forgiven all. A child of God has had all their sins forgiven 
By what? Faith in Jesus Christ. So that's how we are to act to other people. And how do we, how do we know if this is operating in our lives? I know that sometimes, um, uh, often is that we, the, the person just keeps coming to mind. So we keep having to release them. Often when, when you've really forgiven someone, you can see their face and truly wish them well. When you haven't forgiven it, 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 it all, sometimes it just dwells this like sort of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but anxiety in us. It just stirs us up. It makes us angry. It can make us like almost hot in the head sometimes when you haven't forgiven someone and you hear their name and you're just, uh, forgiveness is just saying, God, I'm going to continue the process that I truly wish the highest good for that person. Henry Nouwen Um, We won't get into who he is, but uh, he just has this great quote that he said, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is that all people love poorly. We need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour, increasingly. That is the great work of love among the fellowship of the weak. That is the human family. When people let us down, it's embarrassing, disappointing, frustrating, and heartbreaking. But you can trust God to take care of you. And oftentimes, that's what we're trying to do in unforgiveness. We're trying to take care of ourselves. Unforgiveness is often about making sure that we protect ourselves from the offense ever happening again. And the funny thing about the the servant is that the master had already taken care of him, yet he was trying to take care of himself in that moment where he wouldn't forgive the other servant. Often in our foolishness, we do the same, the exact same thing. I find that we we struggle to forgive because we want to be heard. Because we don't want that person to get away with it. They got away with it last time. They can't get away with this again. We feel like they deserve our punishment. But what if we were punished for all we've done? And we kind of find that we think, will God really get back at them the way they deserve? Because <laughs> I have a plan to get back at them and I don't think God's is as good as mine. What happens is, The center of our lives is often our desires. The problem is we live in God's world, but we want things our way. That's how we step out of heaven on earth. See, God has a plan and you have a plan. And our job isn't to get God to just bless our plan. Our job is to have a desire to have the center of our life, God's plan. When you've created, I heard this quote that I just love. When you created God in your own image, God agrees with you on everything. When you've created God in your own image, God agrees with you on everything. But what happens, we're created in his image. We don't create God in our own image. So we have to be careful that God doesn't just agree on our opinions and on the way that we think things should go. And forgiveness is that sort of giving up that right to get even. It's a death to self. It's a death to my desires. It's a death to what I want because you can trust God to take care of you. The Bible calls Jesus the perfecter of our story. We're not the perfecter, though sometimes we try to be. I know I do. 
we have to remember that God is the perfecter. And heaven on earth is experienced through intimacy with him. If you're going to experience heaven on earth, you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive other people. You got to let go of those things so you can be free and trust that God has your best interest in mind. You can trust God to take care of you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I want to read to you this prayer from Charles Difficult. He's a martyr back in 19 something. But anyways, I want to read to you this. Just take a moment. Just, just clear your mind. Just, you're, you're already thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Just, just clear your mind for a moment. Let's, let's be together right now, church. Let's really let God, this might seem corny to some of you. Some of you are thinking right now, it's just a pastor trying to play with my emotions. Just, just, I, I don't know. That's your voice in my head. Let, let's just, let's just be quiet for a sec and allow God to move. Just wait for just a couple more moments. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I read to you this prayer. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me whatever you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands, I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord. And so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence. For you are my Father. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to take this moment as we do at the end of all of our services to remind us that we've all and we are all that servant that could not pay that enormous debt. And we all have to come to a place where we, like this servant, plead to God, God, take this weight, take this debt from me. And the beauty of God, the beauty of our master that we serve is he always will in abundance beyond what we could imagine. He forgives us. But we have to get to that point where we say, God, I believe in my heart. I'm going to confess it with my mouth. And this is the beginning or the re-beginning of my journey. And I think sometimes some of us, we've prayed this prayer maybe 10 times before and we're frustrated with ourselves that we keep getting back to that same place. And I want you to know that it's 10,000 talents, my friend, that God always has a plan for you and it's never changed. Even though you've been so off track, God still has that plan. Come back and ask the master to take that weight. So we can pray a prayer together. We pray it out loud 
because the word says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And I'm going to ask everybody who calls Celebration Church home to pray this prayer with me in agreement with all those who are for the first time asking Jesus to come into their heart. They're receiving salvation or you're praying this prayer again. Whatever it is, let's pray it together. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you are my Lord. Today I ask that you come into my heart. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Doubt, Deconstruction, and Devotion. If you'd like to find out more about Celebration Church or would like to partner with us financially, visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Come back next week to hear another great message.